homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the ancient Sangha, the modern Sangha, homage to the Sangha of all beings throughout space and time. May all be with us here for this one full day of our Silver Dragon gathering where we are sharing in silence, meditation, work, meals, and for those who wish, uh, some Dharma discussion inspired by remarkable poems. We have all of this in common. We calm our creaking bones and thinking minds together. Our continuing exploration of the experience of self, we all share for this time that we're together. Our wonderful practice of stillness and silence in this uh, silver dragon time of our life. The practice of stillness and silence provides a treasure trove of insight and release. Release from suffering, release from resistance, release from habitual paths of dissatisfaction. And in this silence, we clarify our view, or it clarifies of its own when we be quiet and stop. Uh, kind of like clarified butter, where the solids sort out of the primary medium, which in this case is awareness. The solids of all of our beliefs and ideas and habits and fears and everything that makes up our everyday round of the self, of the experience of self, the experience of myself, all settles out. And the medium is quite clear. What we see, what we experience becomes ever more precise and nuanced as we open our Dharma eye to the play of form and formless. Seeing so much clearly each moment, all the form that fills the moment and the intuition of all that does not appear or of what does not appear. We say our practice. Why do we call it practice? We're not practicing to get some final achievement. We're not practicing to get some thing or some place. But rather, we just practice continuousness, continuousness of the way, capitalized way. Suzuki Roshi calls it constancy. He says, 
Zen is not some sort of excitement. It is constancy of presence. Dogen calls it practice enlightenment. Practice enlightenment hyphenated because they go together. Never separate. Or small mind and big heart mind. No separation. And we all together here are aging people of the way. More and more in fuller relationship to the moment. No matter what our age is, it's important to remember that the universe pours the whole of itself into each moment. No matter what our age or condition. And somewhere, a poet wrote, in the end, our fidelity is simply to life. We practice awareness, now, presence. And if we haven't already realized it and opened up to it, now's the time. Now is always the time. It is never not the time. This is the heart treasure of the Buddha way, just this moment. The way of the Buddha transmitted directly to us from ancient times. Living fully and wholeheartedly in our current circumstances and body. The open way, appreciating the world in all of its complexity, directly and simply, and uh, free to respond as needed. Buddha's liberating gift is to realize emptiness, realize and manifest, and recognize its manifesting. Every moment, moment by moment, openness, emptiness, impermanence, interdependence, no separation, no edges. Simplicity, just this, meeting just this as is with our whole body and mind. And as Kyoko mentioned yesterday, with a don't know attitude. Don't know attitude is a wonderful koan, don't know. This uh, don't know mind is a phrase that was coined by Korean Zen master Sun Sanim. And I, I think of how Buddha must have felt when he, according to the mythic telling, encountered an old person after leaving the palace with his charioteer Chana. He left the, this pleasure palace 
where he lived most of his life. Now, that's so far-fetched. Of course, he couldn't possibly have lived inside the palace for his whole life, imprisoned. But imprisoned in a certain view of life, and then he spies a wizened, a couple of wizened old people hobbling along, and he asks Chana, what are these? Has nature made them thus, or is it chance? The charioteer answers, Sire, these creatures are like all others who live into the twilight of their years. They are merely old. They were once children nursing at their mother's breast. They grew. They were young. They had strength and beauty, and they were brave, enterprising, and lustful. They married. They raised their families. Their lives were full. Now they're near the end of life. They suffer from the press of time, the press of time that mars beauty, ruins vigor, kills pleasure, weakens memory, and destroys the senses. Old age has seized these two and broken them. It's a pretty dramatic description. It has taken away all their friends and those who could they could rely on. They are like an abandoned house on an island pounded by a torrential flood. They are the ruin of what they once were. Uh, the prince, Siddhartha, asked, will this also be my fate? And Chana replies, my lord, no one who lives can escape this. We are of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old except to die young. And none of us have qualified for that who are present here right now. So the Cherokees say that uh, we don't become fully mature adults until we're 51. And I, I've, um, that was very striking when I came across that teaching because I was about 51, and I felt as though at that time I was kind of finally growing up. But I, I wonder also if that's not the age when we begin, all of us, to realize actually that not only do others grow old, but we grow old. Because that's when it really begins to manifest. Some, for some of us earlier, for some of us a fair amount later. That realization, just like when the, Jude, uh, the Buddha saw those two wizened old biddies walking along. This is the truth of our life. We do grow old. And yet the Heart Sutra line reads, therefore, given emptiness, there is no, neither old age and death nor extinction of old age and death. And how wonderful that in our tradition, our wisdom tradition, holds both truths, the two truths, conventional truth and absolute truth. And we're all swept along in the tides of both, growing old and yet just this moment, both, developing patience with the complexities and uncertainties of aging, 
and also enjoying the simplicity of just this moment and being free to enjoy the simplicity of just this moment, laying claim to our ability to enjoy the simplicity of just this. Buddhism calls death the great unbinding of elements. And this really begins long before the last exhale. Uh, we kind of metaphorically die in each moment. And uh, every moment is an ordinary moment. And then in one of these ordinary moments is the last exhale. Ordinary and profound, both as one. The two truths so important in realizing the significance of the teaching of the Buddha, the significance of the identity of relative and absolute, always one, always together. Our condition of aging, all the losses and the saggings, and our work in the world of our youth being done, or almost done, uh, it's really practical to see through, all the way through, our mind-created idea of self, our limiting version of who we are. Relinquishment of self is not a tragedy, it's natural. Uh, the sense of tragedy is based on some belief in permanence. Yet uh, dying demonstrates a much greater truth, the truth of impermanence, which is a wonderful refuge. Uh, it becomes refuge when it is no longer resisted. So everything that we've been identified with as self is changing now very clearly. Our body, our living circumstances are all insistently nudging us in our practice of the way. It's so clear. When the Buddha saw those old people, he took a good look. You know that, that uh, moment where you really take a good look. You're really, truly interested. Your attention is captured. You're seeing something that is important to see. He looked and he saw. And a great question opened up in him. A great question, which we could call don't know. This don't know attitude. What, what is this aging? And now we are taking a good look. We are living a good look. What is opening up in you these days? What is opening up? A lot of the uh, difficulties of aging are kind of birth pangs in a certain way. You know, a baby doesn't get born until they have to. They have to get out. <laughs> it's not viable any, any longer. And in a certain way, that's, 
That's kind of the basic move of all development. We must. The conventional mind worries about aging and dying when we find ourselves falling beneath the hordes of the new. And that's certainly going on now. Things are changing very quickly. Uh, but then the, um, the Heart Sutra re reminds us, giving emptiness, there is neither old age and death nor extinction of old age and death. We have the two truths, and we are alive in their unity. In practice, our practice allows us to move in much closer to our experience, no matter how old we are. Minutely close, infinitely present. Uh, the person who wrote the version of the exchange between the Buddha and Shana captures this intimate experience of aging in this way. I feel the world moving away slightly. I'm not different, really. Or the way in which I sense myself as different is difficult to grasp. But I do know that my body and world are changing in unexpected ways. I'm being separated from a life I've known. And a new world presents itself, sharp, vivid, uncompromising. It is not what I expected. And that's true in our practice. Practice is not what we expect. Awakening is not necessarily what we expected it was all about. I feel the world moving away slightly. How well does that describe part of your experience? The same yet different. Familiar yet utterly unfamiliar and actually new. The first noble truth unfolds. It's continually unfolding, the truth of dissatisfaction, suffering. In aging, we may still experience quite a bit of dissatisfaction. But what we're dissatisfied about changes in a big way. We've accomplished many things, and we've... Um, to a certain extent, reckon with the things that we haven't accomplished, that we aimed for, that we hoped for, that we fantasized for. It was never real. It was a thought. But the core of the experience of dissatisfaction doesn't change. We can call it the dharma of dissatisfaction, the phenomenon of dissatisfaction has a certain feeling to it, has a certain feeling in the body, in the fibers of the body, has a certain story to it. It may even have a certain breathing pattern involved with it. So dissatisfaction is a perennial feature <clears throat> of samsara, the realm of desire and attachment. <clears throat> The first noble truth, suffering, dissatisfaction, 
always ready to, um, to imbue our habituated self. So one of the possibilities we have in aging is to take refuge in our Buddha nature, in the two truths. Each moment, seen as it is, uh, which may include dissatisfaction, but we know the nature of it. Temporary, habituated. And knowing the nature of any experience, knowing that the intimate uh, characters, characteristics that make it up is releasing. It releases us into a much wider field, frees us from the narrow confines of a labeled moment. This is the possibility of our uh, practice, no matter how old we are, but definitely now. Now is the time when it all really fruits we can really, we become old fruits. <laughs> and you know what happens to old fruits, right? Um, or we can, and many, many of us do, or we do at times, fall into the more practiced and habitual direction of our samsaric self, uh, separating from what is and getting entangled and stressing endlessly in the efforting to do so. That's so stressful to try to have things be different than they are. To make something different or better, or try to make something how it used to be. And we may find that we do that a fair amount, and also recognize the nature of it and experience the freedom of it self-realization, self-liberation, the self-liberating nature of this practice. So we work with a useful attitude, developing a useful attitude toward our reluctance of facing the changes in our grief, our grief about a, a life past gone by, when it comes up, a useful attitude, not stuffing it, not denying it, because good luck doesn't work, <laughs> uh, but feeling and recognizing it and knowing what it is. The Buddha said, Mara, now I know you. We can all say that when we fall back into our habitual forms of suffering. Um, I came across a, a poem by Kabir, which surprised me because it's kind of the Persian uh, version of the Heart Sutra. I said to the wanting creature inside me, what is this river you want to cross? There are no travelers on the river road and no road. Do you see anyone moving about on that bank or nesting? There's no river at all and no boat and no boatman. There is no tow rope either, and no one to pull it. There's no ground, no sky, no time, no bank, no ford. And there is no body and no mind. 
Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence, you will find nothing. Be strong, men, and enter into your own body. There you have a solid place for your feet. Think about it carefully. Don't go off somewhere else. Kabir says this, just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are. Be strong then and enter into your own body, the body of your present moment. Just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things. It's a tall order to throw away thoughts of imaginary things, but we get a chance to do it practically every moment. And we really get a look at that during Zazen, where all these imaginary phantasms come through the mind. Uh, but that's, that's what our life of practice brings us to. It is the Buddha way, the way of knowing what is, as is, just now, just this, which also includes being very bound up, getting really lost in habitual forms of suffering for time, moments at a time, memories, disappointments, regrets. But in our practice at this point, uh, we, the world can appear in much greater clarity. And the suffering of the world unfolding in situation after situation appears in much greater clarity. It's just so, it's so apparent with a life of Zen practice as taught in, in this wonderful tradition it's so apparent when seeds for future suffering and confusion and difficulty are being sown. Not only by me or you, but in the, in the world stage. All of the saber rattling and the, just everything that is going to create way further trouble down the road. This gets so clear in our, in our way, in our practice. Here are two lines that I think are quite wonderful. Wislawa Simborska, the poet. There is so much everything that nothing is hidden quite nicely. Everything is capitalized and nothing is capitalized. There's so much everything <laughs> that nothing is hidden quite nicely, which is kind of a double entendre too, right? Nothing is hidden, all is revealed. And um, that which is, lies beneath, right, is hidden quite nicely. We can live a life without noticing the most profound essential nature of all phenomena. Our work has changed with old age, but what is it now? We probably shouldn't call it work, but uh, free ourselves from that requirement and just be alive in the remarkable body of the world as it is. 
in the display that comes forth in the natural spaciousness of our being. The inhales and the outhales. Just simply the breath is remarkable. The breath in a flesh body is a remarkable occurrence. where nothing is hidden quite nicely. The um, Korean dancer, Hata, looks at each moment as theater, as does, of course, Shakespeare. Um, He says this, theater is the genius of the old. The world draws away from them their horizon widens. The wide world is seen for what it is. It draws away. The future shortens, and the past speaks with greater clarity. The body is no longer the focus of the world. Beings of light show themselves. Beings of light show themselves. We can reflect on our own selves as beings of light. Each of us shines with our own light. Each moment comes up spontaneously in the light of its own perfection. We are free now to be present in this way to our life, just as it is. The theater of the, is the genius of the old, the play of our lives, the characters, the scripts. We see them so clearly. Every play begins and ends. We are becoming more and more aware of that. Every play has scenes and acts. We can look back on multitudes of scenes and acts in our own life. And they were perfectly realized, and they landed us all here, now in a hall of sanity and meditation, however strange it may look to those who don't, who haven't had the good fortune to come to a deep um, spiritual tradition. So not having any easy descriptions of the aging process, because it is as complicated as every process is in this great uh, web of life, frees us from uh, attempting that. And we can be free to be thoroughly right here, right now, as is just as we are, with a very warm heart, 
which is the, um, the medicine for any bitterness that can come with loss. So may we all um, party in our, in our most essential natures together during this weekend. <laughs>